Welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. We love you. We worship you. Jesus, we love you. We make room for you in our lives in the middle of the week. We make room right now for you to invade our space. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your presence. We just bless you with all of our hearts. Oh, we bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Just tell him how much you love him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you. We worship you. We praise you. Thank you for your presence here. Thank you for inhabiting our praise and worship. Thank you for just you. We love you. We welcome you here tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, you can be seated. Thank you, Connie and Shannon, for leading us. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, just a reminder for you, uh, we got a few teens, but uh, one teen, but um, starting in two weeks, our uh, youth will be meeting also at this time. Uh, they won't even be in worship. They'll go straight to their class over there. They'll meet in the, K- the first through fifth grade class. That'll be a youth room that, that night, um, and that's starting in two weeks, so that'll be uh, fun. Um, and while that's going on uh, in two weeks, uh, the first Wednesday night of next month will be uh, a worship night. So um, full-blown worship, we'll just worship the whole time. Um, actually, I'll be traveling, so I won't be here to teach. And so it's just a perfect and apropos time to do some worship. So uh, that'll be um, the first week of October. All right, uh, we want to continue with our series, Jesus, Our Healer. Uh, we've been using Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 and 5 as our foundational text, and we'll continue to use that as such. Um, but let's read that, and then let's just believe what he has for us today. Um, or tonight, Isaiah 53, verse 4 says, Surely uh, he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Let's pray before we get started. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the truth that's in it. Thank you for the joy that comes from it. And so I just thank you that as we approach your word uh, tonight, you'll teach us, you'll help us, you'll build our faith, uh, specifically tonight on the subject of healing, so that we can walk in the divine health that Jesus paid for us to have, so that we can live free from the attacks of sickness and disease that seem to try to attach themselves to our bodies as we live here on this side of heaven. So I thank you, Father, that uh, we just, you'll just accomplish that. Uh, thank you for helping me, leading me, and guiding me, and thank you for ears that are receptive and hearts that are ready to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, you know, we've read this as our opening text here in Isaiah chapter 53, and we've said, you know, every week that, you know, in this particular two verses, we see the redemptive plan 
in a pretty uh, concise manner uh, in basically what Jesus would do for us when he died on the cross for us. And we pointed out the last couple of weeks that, you know, a lot of times folks will uh, major on some major parts of that redemptive plan, but they just blow past the last phrase there. You know, they'll see that he was, you know, str- uh, stricken and smitten and afflicted for our sorrows. They see that, you know, he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised, you know, and, and for our sins and that there's great peace available in him. Uh, and, and they'll believe that, right? They'll believe that's the will of God for everybody. But for some reason, when you get to this last phrase, and with his stripes we are healed, they'll sort of qualify that, right? It'll, it'll be like sometimes they'll reason it away, or sometimes they'll say that's no longer for today. Sometimes they'll say, well, it's God's will for some to be healed and not everybody to be healed, as if you know that particular part of the promise was qualified, but iniquities and sins is available for everybody to be forgiven from them. But it doesn't say that here. Just in one, you know, concise package, it says, here's what Jesus is going to do for us. And it says there that by his stripes you were healed. And so, you know, what we said we're going to do in this series is really settle, uh, hopefully settle, uh, the argument in our own hearts uh, that it's the will of God 100% of the time for you to be healed and to be free from sickness, that it's never God's will for you to bear a sickness, to carry a sickness. And, um, and I'll tell you this, too, that if you've got questions about that, uh, I would encourage you, um, ask your questions. Write them down, give them to me. Uh, at the end of this series, I am going to do a, a, a message on, you know, the questions that everybody wants to ask. Uh, that deal with healing, but you may have one I haven't heard yet, so write it down, and uh, that'll allow me to prepare, because, you know, we want to answer your questions as well. It's the little foxes that sometimes can rob you, uh, and so we're going to address all of those things, but we're going to just tackle it one truth at a time, and so, uh, and so we said, you know, what we're going to base that truth on is God's Word. Um, we're not going to base it on a, opinion or, or my opinion. We're not going to base it on, um, you know, some catchphrase or some experience even. You know, sometimes folks will say, well, I know it's the will of God to heal because I was healed. Well, what if you didn't get healed? Does that mean it's not the will of God for you to be healed? So you can't even base it on experience. You have to base it on what the truth says, and the truth is God's word. And so Romans 10, 17 tells us that's the way we actually, when we hear God's word, it brings faith to us, and that faith is how we receive God's promises. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So faith to receive any promise from God comes from hearing his word. Faith to receive healing comes from God's word. But you have to hear God's word on healing. You know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, I got faith. And they'll talk about their faith in Jesus, right, to be saved. And that's great. But if you haven't heard scripture on promises from God about healing, your faith will uh, waver. Your faith won't be very strong in that area, and you'll struggle in this area. But faith is how we, uh, so faith comes from hearing God's word, and that faith will drive out sickness. We said last week, you know, faith is how we receive the promises of God, and we see that in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 27, uh, actually verse 20 through 20, actually verse 27 through 30, not 27 through 20. Hopefully you fixed that up there, maybe. Oh, you fixed it. I didn't even... See, I called out my own mistakes. But verse 27 says, When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. Um, and when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and, said to, said to, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said, Yes, Lord. So they said, I believe. You're, you can heal me. <clears throat> and you're willing to heal me. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith... Let it be to you. Notice what he said there. He didn't say according to who I am, according to me being Jesus. He said, according to your faith, 
let it be to you, and their eyes were opened. So we see their faith is what opened the eyes of these people. A lot of people think that, you know, that was just a benevolent act of Jesus because he was God's son here in the earth. But the reality is, is that although Jesus is always benevolent and willing to help us, it's always his will for us to be blessed and to be healed and all of those things. The way we appropriate or receive those promises is the same way these guys did. They did it by faith. And Jesus told them, it wasn't because of who I am, although the power came from me, right? It's because you believed. It's because of your faith that you were healed. And so we're hearing God's word on the matter. And so last week we talked about, you know, reason number one, we know it's always the will of God for us to be healed. And that's because we were designed and created by God to be in his image, and I'm not going to go through that whole message. You can go back and listen to it. But what we basically said was this. Man was created in God's image. And, and actually, not only was he created in God's image, but when man fell and became sinful, Jesus redeemed us to be restored to God's image. And the image of God, we pointed out, we went through Scripture after Scripture to see this, that it, 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 God is not associated with being, ever being sick. Jesus was never associated with being sick other than when he took it upon himself on the cross, right? Holy Spirit is not weak and sickly and lacking power. And if we were created, if God designed us to be in that image, then we were designed by God. And it's the will of God for us to be free from sickness. Tonight I want to talk to you about another um, reason we know that it's the will of God for us to be free always from sickness. And it's because of this. And you can write this down. This is a punchline up front. If you have to leave early, you got the whole message in one sentence, right? I'm just going to give you the truth, right? Not just a statement, but the word of God behind it to build your faith on it. We know it's the will of God always for us to be healed because Jesus gave us authority. Everybody say authority. He gave us authority to rule and reign over specifically sickness. Now, in order to lay out the foundation for this and to build the truth in us so that we can see that this is what God's Word teaches us, we need to go back to the very beginning of creation and really understand, first of all, who first had authority on this planet over everything on this planet. And then, and then if, if someone had authority on this planet at the earliest of creation when it was first created and that was eventually given to us then we'll have a basis to understand okay then I've got authority I can I can I can say I, God's will for me to be healed because he gave me the authority to live free from it and so let's go back and take a look at who originally had authority on the planet Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 it says in the beginning right God created the heaven and the earth so who create this is not a trick question who created the heaven and the earth God created the heaven and the earth, right? So God created it, and as the creator of the heaven and the earth, we're going to see in just a moment, because of that, as the original creator, he had full authority on this planet to move, to rule, to do whatever it is he desired to do according to his will. Psalm 24 and verse 1 and 2 says that. It says, the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof the world and, and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. So God created the earth. He owns it. He possesses it. And because he owns it and possesses it, he had the original authority on this planet. But what happened was God made a decision at some point to give his authority on this planet to someone other than himself. And, and when we say authority, what do I mean by that? That doesn't mean his power, Right? Because God is all-powerful. But he gave them the right to use their power on the earth. And we see this in Psalm 115 in verse 16. It says here, it says, The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. 
but the earth he has given to the children of men. So what we see here is that although God is the original creator of the planet, had all the authority on the earth, at, there came a point in time where he gave the earth and everything that's in the earth to man to have authority and to be the one in authority on the planet. And we see where this happened in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27 and 28. It says, so God created man in his image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Everybody say replenish. I'm not going to teach this one tonight, but just a little bit, it's just to spark your, you know, how many of you know when you replenish something, you're actually, it had to be plenished and then emptied and then you had to replenish, right? Right? So it's sort of interesting here, God told Adam and Eve to go replenish the earth. So at some point in the future, in, in the past, before that, it was plenished. I'll go into that one later at another point. But, matter of fact, it would be a, it would be just, it'd be a fun fact type of message. But, but he said to replenish the earth, and then he said, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the airs, and over everything that moveth upon the earth. And so he, here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28, we see God do something very significant in the history of man, in the history of the planet, and the history of who has authority to move and act and do in the planet. What he said here was, you know, I created the earth, it's mine. Now, now, Adam, I'm giving it to you, and I'm going to give you the authority to go subdue and to conquer. That, that, actually, if you look at that word, that word subdue means to take authority over. That word have dominion, actually the word have dominion means to take authority over. The word subdue means to beat into subjection. <laughs> How many of you know sometimes there are things that try to crop up in your life that are going to require you to make a stand? Because that's why it's called a fight of faith, it's not just the... Life of faith, there's a good fight of faith we have to fight, right? So there are going to be times where you have to push things back and beat things back. But he says, I'm giving you the authority to have dominion, to have authority on the planet. And so at this point, Adam was given the right to have authority on the planet. But we know the story of what happened with Adam, right? Adam sinned, and when he sinned, we're going to find out here in just a moment, he unknowingly didn't just sin and partake of a fruit and disobey God. What he did was, unknowingly, he relinquished his authority to someone else. So we see authority transferring to God, to Adam, and then to someone else. And we're going to see it here clearly in Scripture. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So what that verse says is when Adam sinned, he opened the door, not just, to, just for himself and, and, and Eve to not have as close a relationship with God. It says death passed upon all men. What he did is he released the power of the enemy into the planet to be able to move and do different things that the enemy likes to do, which John 10.10 10 tells us what he likes to do, right? He likes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He opened the door for the enemy now to be able to do what it was he wanted. He gave authority on this planet to rule and to reign to the enemy. And we see this very clearly in Romans chapter 5 and verse 16. It says, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey. So what does that say? It says he had authority. 
had authority over the serpent. He could have said, get out of here, serpent. I'm not going to do this. But he submitted to the will of the serpent. And when he did that, he gave his authority to the enemy. Whether of sin, It goes on to say, whoever you may, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. So in sinning, Adam transferred the authority that God gave to him to the enemy. As a matter of fact, we see it real clearly in, G- in, 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 in Satan's encounter with Jesus when he went into the wilderness. You know the story Jesus, he got baptized, came up out of the water, uh, spirit descended upon him like a dove, and, uh, and then he went into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted, the Bible says. How many of you know for a temptation to be a temptation, it has to be something in front of you that's tempting, right? And so what we're going to see here is an account of one of the ways that the devil tempted Jesus. But in seeing this, what we're going to see is that that the enemy, the devil, truly before Jesus died on the cross, had the authority in the earth to rule, to reign, to move, to, to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Verse 1 says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was laid by the Spirit and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. For 40 days being tempted by the devil. And the devil, and verse, skip down to verse 5, because there were other temptations he did, but this is the one I want to focus on. Verse 5 says, And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. So it took him spiritually to a place and said, Look, all the kingdoms, here they are. And he said to him, Now I want you to notice what he said. To you I will give all this authority. Everybody say Authority. There's again. So he's saying, right, I've got authority and I'm going to give it to you, right? To to him I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me. And I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be yours. So what we see here is the devil putting a temptation in front of Jesus that says, at one point in time, all the authority was given to me and I'll give it to you if you'll worship me. Now, some people would say, well, you know, the devil's a liar, and so he was just lying. He didn't really have the authority to do that. He was just lying. Well, then it wouldn't have been a temptation, right? Don't you think Jesus knew whether it was real or not? He didn't say, I'll get out of here, you liar. No, he said, no, the scripture says, even though you got the authority, I'm only going to worship God, right? Right? And so what it says here is just that this authority was delivered unto me. When was it delivered to him? It was delivered to him, as we've already seen, when Adam sinned. And so what we have here in this situation before Jesus showed up was God, creator, for lack of a better term, landlord of the earth, right? He created it, so he owned it. How many of you know what a landlord is, right? Owns the building, right? But when he gives tenantship to the tenant, how many of you realize the tenant has the right to be there and even that landlord has to have permission before he comes in? How many of you realize that, right? So so God gives the planet to Adam. Adam's now the tenant of the earth and Adam says, well, I choose to give my lease to the devil. So he gives it over to the devil. So now we have a situation where God can only work in the lives of people that will believe him and trust him. But the, but, but the, the source of authority in the earth, the one who is considered, as the Bible calls, the God of this world, is no longer God. It's the enemy. Notice if you, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. It says, Satan, notice what it says here. This is New Testament scripture. Who is the God of this world? He's the one in authority in this world system. It goes on to say, and has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. And so Satan has authority now in the earth to rule and reign, to blind, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And those rights include the right to make people sick who don't know 
that Jesus has paid to make them free from it. In Luke chapter 13 and verse 16, you can just write this down for reference sake if you're taking notes. And Luke, I don't have it on the screen, but Luke chapter 13 and verse 16 is the story of a woman and, uh, that Jesus healed. And he said, ought not this woman whom Satan hath bound these many years be delivered and be healed? See, Jesus talked about sickness being an oppression of the devil. So one of the things the devil does with his authority is, is, is make people sick. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. I don't have that one up there either. Acts chapter 10 verse 36. 38. Oh, you're good. You're doing really good. Man, I didn't write that one out and you did it. But notice, the devil is characterized as being the one that brought the sickness. Jesus healed by the power of the Holy Spirit those who were what? Oppressed by the devil. So he has authority. So where is sickness from? Where does it come from? Is it from the hand of God? Absolutely not. It, it, it comes from sin and death and, and, it's, and, and, and the author of all that, the devil. Sickness is something that he places on people and oppresses them with. But here's the good news. God devised a plan for us to be able to live free from under that authority if we'll simply just accept the free gift of Jesus Christ. And we see this clearly in Scripture. Now, to regain this authority, here's the thing about it is, for God to regain the authority from Satan and, 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 and put us in a position where we didn't have to live under it, he had to do it legally, right? He had to do it legally. See, the thing about the, the devil, he, he understands spiritual legal terms. And how many of you realize the, the reason he was getting Adam and Eve to sin was not so he would just get them to sin. He was getting them to sin so that they would relinquish what he needed to be able to operate in the earth. It's the same reason he tries to get you to sin today. He wants to get you out from under the protection and blessing of God and get you out there doing what he wants you to do that leads to destruction, right? He wants, he, ultimately, he wants to harm and so, and so Satan, he understood that, you know, this authority is something that is it, it's, it, it's administered by spiritual justice. And it's legally, spiritually administered. And for me to have it, i got to get Adam to willfully give it away, even though he may not realize that's what he's doing. So God was in the same position. He had to get Satan to give away his authority legally, because how many of you realize Jesus could die on a cross for us, shed his blood for us, and we could have our sins forgiven, but still be under the authority of the enemy, right? But for us to get out from under his authority, that legally had to be transferred back to Jesus, and, and we'll see that by the end of this, legally to us. So in order to do this, first thing God needed was a man that was untainted by sin, and untainted by the enemy and untouched by him. And we see a, the picture of this in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1. It says the old system, well what old system is that? That's the law of Moses. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow of a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. So what that says is, is that the old system of you know, bringing a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice, and laying that out before God, and, and doing that because you're a sinner, um, that, that wasn't a perfect uh, uh, system is what it's saying. It says these sacrifices under this system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, 
the sacrifices would have stopped and the worshiper would have been purified once for all time and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually remained, uh, reminded them of their sins year after year, for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. So what that's verse saying is this. God put a system in place, we learned about this last week, when Adam sinned, uh, he made clothes for them, he covered their sin, right? Uh, he, he actually did an, a, a sacrifice and, and established this right of, of animal sacrifice to cover your sin. But what this verse is saying is that, is that a sacrifice of an animal can never wash away the sin of a man. It can only cover it. And that's all it did. So God needed a legal way to rid man of his sin so that he could give him back the authority that he needed. And so what we see in verse 5 is, it says this, it says, that is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. He specifically said, you've given me a physical body to offer. See, why did Jesus, why couldn't God just said, well, Satan, you know, I don't like the fact that you're treating my people bad, so I'm just going to take my authority back. Why did he do that? Because it was Satan's legal right to have it. And, he, and God's a just God. And the God of the universe needed a way to get that back. So what he needed to do was to send a man into the earth that would not sin. That's, you know, that's one of the reasons I've taught this here before. That's one of the reasons Jesus had to be born of a virgin. He had to be born of a virgin because if you study anything medically, you'll understand that you know, the blood of a, of, a, of a father is passed to the blood of a child. Uh, it's passed through the father, the DNA of the father and the chromosomes of the father. The reason Jesus needed to be born of a virgin was because he needed someone untainted by sin. So sin did not pass upon him. And so he was born of a virgin, pure, holy, right, never touched by sin. And we know the story. He lived a, a sinless life. And so what Jesus said here, this is actually quoting Christ, it says, you've given me a body to offer, and you are not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. And so what that verse tells us is that Jesus came and laid down his life as a perfect sacrifice untainted by sin. But had the, had the devil recognized that? Had the devil known that he was unjustly crucifying a just man, he never would have done it. Because he would have known it was a legal abuse of his power. How many of you realize, you know, when you, uh, you know, I was, I was joking with uh, Malia, she's back there in the, uh, in the, uh, uh, with, the with toddlers and, I mean, with the kids, and uh, I, I saw a video of her today, um, and she was out shooting targets. Um, which I thought was pretty cool. She had a big old gun, you know, shooting targets. And I've never done that. I thought that'd be pretty cool, but she was doing it. But, you know, as I, as I think about that gun, how many of you realize, you know, it's a, that's a right way to use the gun? But have you realized if she took that same gun into Kroger and just started shooting people up, they'd take that gun from her, right? Because it's not a proper use of the power and authority that that gun represents. And so what happened here is, is had Satan realized that I'm, I'm unjustly using my power, he never would have done it. And it tells us that in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2. It says, for I determined, Paul said, not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Then down to verse 8. Which none of the princes of this world knew. They didn't understand what, what the crucifixion was about to do. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Satan had no idea that what he was doing was the same thing he tricked Adam into doing. You know, there's a tribe in, uh, uh, who, who is it? Um, 
Livingston, if you, if you follow missionaries, uh, yeah, Livingston was a great missionary in Africa, and there was this one tribe in Africa that was, uh, you know, the, I think they were even can a cannibalistic tribe, but they prided themselves on deception. And, and, and people that could deceive people the best were the ones that they really honored. And so, you know, when they came, you know, uh, telling the story of the gospel, initially they liked the devil more than Jesus because the devil was a deceiver and he tricker and, and they liked him more. But Livingston figured out, you know, I need to tell him this story and how God tricked the enemy into crucifying Christ without knowing it. And that ultimate deception caused that entire tribe to come to Christ. It was quite, it's quite a story. You could read up on it. But, but the reality is, is this, is that the, the, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we see here that if the devil had known what he was doing, he wouldn't have done it because he knew if, if he'd have known it, he'd have realized I'm giving away the one thing I fought so hard to have when I tried to deceive Adam. And that's me, I'm giving away my authority. And so what we find to be true is when Jesus died on the cross and he spent those three days and nights in hell, the just God in heaven said, abuse of power, now I've got a right to have it taken back so that he can no longer rule and reign without someone's permission over their life. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15 we see that. It says, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, Jesus made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them, by the cross. After three days of, and nights of unjust punishment of a just man, the power of God finally showed up and said, enough is enough. And it's time for me to get the authority back. And what we find to be true is it was such a disarming of their power that Jesus could say in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 17, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Notice this. And have the keys of hell and death. He said, I was dead, but I'm alive, and now I have the keys of hell and death. Those keys are symbolic of the authority that we was given, he was given, and we know that in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. It says this, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority, all authority. So here's this authority that God created heavens and the earth, his authority, gave it to Adam. Adam had it for a span of who knows how long, right? But it wasn't very long. And he, and, he, and he gave it away by sinning. For 2,000 years, the devil had it, wreaking havoc on, the, on God's people. And then after the resurrection, here we have Jesus saying, all authority now is given unto me in heaven and on earth, and it all has been given to me. And so Jesus has been given this authority. So once again, he is now the ultimate source of authority in the earth. But the story doesn't stop there. And this is where we're getting to the point where we can begin to understand that we know we're free from sickness and disease because God gave us authority over the one who, who, who delivers sickness and disease. It says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, Jesus said, all authority is given to me, but Ephesians 2 and verse 1 says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now I want you to notice verse 6 is written in the past tense. It's not written in future tense. Some people would read that and say, okay, what that means is, is that one day we're going to be seated in heaven with Jesus. But what this says is, is you hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sins. How many have accepted Jesus here tonight? 
If you've accepted him, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but you're not now, right? And it says in verse 2, And he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what we find in verse 6 is, when we got born again, we got raised up and seated at the same place that Jesus was spiritually and legally. You know, I've often joked about this and said this, you know, uh, a lot of people say that Jesus, uh, all things are under his feet. Well, if you're seated next to him, then all things are under yours as well, right? So I've often said, if you want to say anything to the devil, just write it on the bottom of your shoes, right? Why? Because we've been given authority over him now. That's great news for us as a believer. You know, there's a, (laughs) in the 1970s, this movie, The Exorcist, came out. I don't know if anybody ever watched it, but a hideous movie. Um, when I was in high school in the 1980s, I watched it one night really late with one of my friends, and I'm driving home, and I'm scared to death the devil's going to jump in the car and, you know, eat me up like this little, you know, this little girl's going to show up and just wear me out, you know. And, um, and so I was terrified because I didn't understand something. And now they got it out again now, except they got two of these girls because one wasn't enough. So now they got two of them possessed. They're going to go again. They're going to jump on you and get you, right? You know, I look at those now and I just laugh at them. Why do I laugh at them? Because the devil that they're portraying is some powerful thing we need to be afraid of when the reality is, is God stripped him of all of his power, all, all of his authority. And although he has power to move and do things, we have authority over him. And as simple as a word, as simple as the name of Jesus, we can stop him from doing whatever it is he would desire to do to us. And we see that, and that's what that verse says, that he's, he's raised us up and given us the same position of authority. We know that because we see it in Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. He says, Behold, I, give you, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. He says, You've been given power and authority over all the power of the enemy. And part of that power is, uh, we have power overs over sickness. Mark chapter 16 and verse 17. It says, And these signs shall follow them who believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Notice this. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So Jesus gave us the authority of his name to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. So the authority that God had that went to Adam, then Adam transferred to the enemy, that Jesus took back, now has been given to us through the use of the name of Jesus. And part of what that authority can be used for is to live free and see healing come when people are sick. We see it again in James chapter 5 and verse 14. Is anyone sick among you? Or is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Notice verse 15. And the prayer of faith. Everybody say the prayer of faith. Now that's important to note because some people will read this portion of scripture and they'll say, see, you got to have an elder pray for you for this to work. Or see, you got to have oil for this to work. But it's not the elder or the oil that saves the sick, is it? No, what saves the sick? And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. So what that verse of scripture tells us is once again is any believer that can pray the prayer of faith and use the name of Jesus can live free or God has promised that they can be free from sickness. And so we know that physical healing, we'll close with this, and so we know that physical healing is always the will of God because he's given us the use of his son's name and given us the authority that was originally intended for Adam so that we can live free and rule and reign and dominate in this earth. 
We know that it's the will of God for us to be healed because authority has been given to us to live free from sickness. It's never God's will for you to be sick. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5, we'll close here. It says, but he, speaking of Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. We have been healed by Jesus' stripes, and we've been given authority to resist sickness when it tries to attach itself to us. We can know it's the will of God for us to be healed because you've been given authority as a believer. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the truth that's in it. We come together on these Wednesday nights to look a little more in depth at the scripture and to understand your truth so that we are armed and equipped specifically in this instance, to overcome, to fight off, to live free from sickness. So Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that there would be no one here that buys the lie that they're the one situation where it's your will for them to remain sick. But they would understand that it is 100% of the time always your will for us to be free from sickness because you created us to walk in your image gave us the authority to live free from sickness when it tries to raise its ugly head. We give you praise and thanks for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Well, praise the Lord. Just want to remind you that if you did bring an offering tonight, there are offering buckets up here. You can hold off till Sunday if you like. You can also give online. And then just don't forget to be checking the uh, Meet Friends board and the calendar out front for the different things that are going on. Uh, but aren't you glad we're healed? Aren't you glad we're promised that we're healed? We just need to hold on to that truth instead of wandering and, well, is this is God will to heal me this time? No, it's always His will. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for each person here. Thank you for them taking the time out of the middle of their week to come out and hear the truth of God's Word. Thank you, Father God, for your Word being planted in their heart, causing faith to rise on the inside of them, that it is 100% of the time your will for them to be healed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your angels camped about them, keeping them safe throughout the week, that whatever they're putting their hand to prospers and does well. Thank you for helping them be a light to the world around them and to bring those back to worship with us that may not have a church home. We give you praise and thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Thanks for coming out tonight. Have a blessed evening. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.